0: He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out...
1: Who cares?
0: I care. It's true. She cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Ballotta. She's his Agent 99 and you're about to be bellotta
2: Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bolotified—the one and only pod about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta, and I'm here as I am every week with the always delicious, always optimistic Alexia Cristina Postalides. Opa, Alex. Hello. How are you? I am feeling pretty fine. Good. Good. It's a Me A wonderful too. day in the neighborhood. A wonderful it- day. <laughs>
1: No, continue because that makes me happy.
2: I just can't. Yes, you can't.
1: can't. And we all know it's important to make Alex happy.
2: It is very important, but Alex is a happy person (laughs) mostly. And I'm
1: and I'm and I have to say I'm working uh, intentionally to be happier. Even yesterday, taking a walk. I was sitting, I was done working for the day and I was sitting and I was going to go to the beach and I went, "Eh, I feel like driving, but get up and move. So I went for a walk. I needed something from the store. So I walked to the store and I was listening to something and I made a point to have a smile on my face the whole time.
2: And did that make you feel better? It did. It absolutely did. It's amazing how that works, isn't it?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: It, it really is. A, and I, I, I wouldn't have believed it had I not tried it for myself. So that really is the key is to try it. If you're not feeling particularly happy, just plant a smile on your face, give it a moment or two or five or 10 or whatever it takes. And before you know it, you will find that frown is turned upside down.
1: <laughs> you know, I, it's something that I do and I didn't realize I was doing it until I was doing it. When I'm typing an email, when I'm saying thank you to somebody, I have I put a big smile on my face, and I don't know if it's voiceover training, but mm. I find that I feel like my intention, even though it's the same words, but and maybe it's just in my crazy little Greek head, but I feel like that intention shines through the email or if I'm if I'm uh, typing up a condolence, if I'm on Facebook and somebody's gone through a hardship and I will sometimes as I'm I'm saying I'm so sorry for your loss, tears will be in my eyes. I again, it's it could be because I'm a crazy actor or whatnot. I don't know, but I think when you put that intention out there, it's felt.
2: I think that's the purpose of emojis, quite honestly. <laughs> And why I use the smile emoji. I'm usually smiling when I put that smile emoji in an email.
1: And don't do as my aunt used to do when somebody was sharing a loss and she would say L-O-L. Because she thought it meant love you lots or or lots of love. Oh. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that could be a little
1: unfortunate. I, I had to call her and tell her. Just don't don't do that.
2: Well, I have a another little. Thing that makes me happy, and it's the subject of the tipsy today. It's about adopting grace.
0: Let's get tipsy!
2: Now, grace, if you look her up, is courteous goodwill in the dictionary, an attractively polite manner of behaving. That's what the dictionary says about grace. And from where I stand, grace isn't around much anymore. Mm -hmm. The increasing pace of change, the current political climate, and perhaps the climate itself are all contributing to the proliferation of what I'll call moose, moments of unbridled unreasonableness. When it appears that someone feels their rights supersede the rights of others, aka entitlement, Now, before you shake your head in disgust, please try to remember that there is a little bit of entitlement in all of us. You spend on something, you feel entitled to a certain something in return. You speak to your children, you feel entitled to their respect. You've waited your turn in line, you feel entitled to your turn when it comes. Some of us work very hard to maintain our rights, and there are no guarantees, so I get it. But here's the thing about entitlement. Grace really doesn't care for it. She knows it's the underpinning of every moose that ever was. So she is usually out of there at even the rumbling of an oncoming moose. Can't blame her. It's crushing for Grace to see it in motion, not just the moose itself, but the general response to it, which is to capture it and share it. You see, it's not a practice of grace to call out unfortunate behavior. So when I invite her along, I tend not to encounter any, even those that are squarely set in my path. With grace, I'm able to sidestep any potential for unpleasantness, which makes me feel more better and makes the world less hectic. And so my tipsy to you is to begin to do the same. Start intentionally inviting grace along with you in everything you do, everywhere you go. I promise grace will not get on your nerves. Now, here's how to do that. Go gently. It may not really matter where you are in line. Being first is not always cut out. To be what you think it will be. Go respectfully. Lead with respect. Until you do, you may be the only one who thinks you deserve it. Go authentically and try to see people for more than what meets the eye. If you can't, perhaps it's time for some self reflection. Go charitably, give the benefit of the doubt not as a chit to be played later, but because we all need it now and then, and go empathetically. Seeing life through another's eyes will help expand your understanding of it. Now that's an acronym for grace and the end of my tipsy.
1: I, I say it often because I always love your tips, but this one, my friend, speaks to me. It's very, very important. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Yaya would say something. She would say, Easy for her to say. (laughs) Easy for her to say. Not so easy for me to say. But it's basically just that. When given an opportunity to show grace, take it. And it's something that I tried to teach my daughter. And it's something I try to adopt. And there are times, you know, we find ourselves in this situation and we wanna lash out. And those are the opportunities. And and it's kind of my motto in life. And sometimes I'm successful and sometimes I'm very much not. Because it can be a fine line, right? It's a fine line between showing grace and not being a doormat. And I think it's a it's a line especially women struggle with. But as you so beautifully stated, grace should win out. Yes. So
2: yes. thank you. I feel like we need her now more than ever. We're just so, it feels put upon as a society. Everybody feels that way. And, it, you know, we're seeing it expressed in... A variety of ways. None of them are pleasant. And none yeah. of them can't feel pleasant if you're around it, you know, experiencing it live. So, yeah.
1: And do you know what my favorite word in the English language is?
2: Is it grace?
1: It's grace. It's my absolute favorite word. It's my favorite name. It's my favorite word.
2: It's so. a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful word. And and you know what, what spurred this on was years ago, our friend Lee Scarrett said to me, two words go gently which are the first two words of this as you can see and that those words have changed my life because until then i didn't realize that when i was going i wasn't going gently and so just absorbing those words and what they truly meant helped me to understand that that was an opportunity for me to find a more gentle approach which like you I don't always do successfully uh but doing your best will change every day mm-hmm. of your life and you want to remember that too uh and just keep it top of mind like i say intentionally invite her in and she'll be there yeah when you need her
1: I couldn't and agree more
2: speaking of which yeah. this was completely unplanned but but the tipsy and the guest are like Compadre, they are. They're, syn- they're synonyms.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they, they are. They're cinnamonly cinnamons. They're cinnamons. cinnamons. Yeah, they're cinnamons. <laughs> <synonyms.
2: laughs> okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe.
1: Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why? Thank you. Should I get to the introduction? Oh,
2: my goodness.
1: Okay, before we start, I'm going to say one thing to everybody. I am going to geek out. I've said it. I'm going to geek out. Okay, here we go. So our guest today has designed over 9,000 events and served his menus throughout the U.S., Canada, England, Japan, my favorite, and Mexico. He has honored dignitaries and glitterati with his cuisine and has cooked for former Russian President Mikhail Gorbachev, three U.S. presidents, King Charles III, when he was the Prince of Wales, Martha Stewart, and oh, my God, Lady Jane Goodall, to name just a few. And here's where the geek out comes. He was invited to cook at the James Beard House in New York City. Oh, my Lord. He was the honorary recipient of the Roger Revelle Medal for his work on sustainable seafood, seafood practices, excuse me. He is the co-founder of passionfish.org as well as Cook's Confab and is an associate board member of the Slow Food Urban San Diego. He has received the Annual CaterSource Achievement in Catering Excellence Award as Best Caterer in the West, as well as the Cater Source Spotlight Award as National caterer of the year. Please, please, please welcome the renowned chef and owner of Bespoke Event Styling and Menu Design, Mr. Andrew Spurgeon. Welcome.
0: Well, it's a delight to be here and thank you for for that gracious um, uh, introduction. So, all true. Every well, single yeah, word of it. It's been a few years of of doing that, but mm-hmm. all of them have, you know, um, I, I loved how you started this with the grace and all that, because, it, it, you know, when you were talking about that, it, it just, to me, walks in lockstep with hospitality, mm-hmm. because hospitality is a thing that, that one, you know, we use in all our businesses and in, 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 in uh, you know, our businesses, but also if we have in our life, it, uh, it was just touching. I was, I was very touched by that. So thank you.
2: Thank you. I, I think uh, perhaps you were touched because you really are a uh, a beautiful representation of grace. Uh, you live it. You breathe it. Um, I've worked with you several times over the years, known you for a very long time, uh, and we we don't spend a lot of time together. You know, we don't. We're not in each other's daily lives. But whenever I think about Andrew Spurgeon, it is always with a heart full of respect and love and talking about smiles coming to faces. That's what happens when your name is mentioned, or when I think of you, uh, because there's a great respect for you. Great respect. And you've not had it easy either. You know, you've had bumps in along the road, like the rest of us. Right. And it's not always been the easiest, but look at you today.
0: Yeah, no, I, it's it's funny. I, 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 I agree. I think we've been in this industry a long time and uh, one adapts and pivots. I mean, most recently, of course, with COVID. I mean, that was like getting hit over the back of my head with a sledgehammer. Right. <laughs> but, you know, what's funny because I I, I I always need a project. I need a project. I'm, and my project usually, you know, is my client. That's my project. So that's what sparks joy. That's what I want to bring into people's lives is how can I help understand what they're trying to tell me and create something, whether it's a menu or what have be, that's gonna be um the, the the that's gonna do exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know? Um yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
2: No, you are you're fabulous at puzzles and i feel like we're we're very similar we approach work in very in that way it's about how can i take everything that has been given to me as something that's desired and make it work within this other set of restrictions and, and rules and, and, you know, and that could be in your world, what product we have today and the cost of that and, you know, how it needs to be served. And, and so, but you, you're, you're outstanding at that kind of work and you find where pieces fit together where somebody else just may never see the connection so you are a master puzzle maker
0: well it, you know I it's not that I'm lazy but I, I came up with something <laughs> a million years ago because so many people don't really know what they want I mean they might like pink and chocolate together or they might like individual items so I came up with a um A formula. I mean, um, there's about five different exercises, which we won't have the time to go into all of them today. But one of the most useful ones I found was make a list of everything you love, completely random. Make a list of everything you're not so fond of. So I love elephants, not too keen on reptiles, you know, and it can have food. It can have well, hopefully it does definitely have the kind of food you like, the kind of food you don't, but also just whatever comes to your mind. You know, like for instance, one of the events I did um, had fireflies on it. Mm. And I was like, well, that's really interesting. They put fireflies on there. So where we were doing this event, they almost had a natural amphitheater behind uh, what we end up doing was building a stage, and I won't get into all that, but it's here on the West Coast. We don't have fireflies. So I go to the lighting guy and I'm like, is there a way you can make fireflies? Because I want to cover the whole back of this area with. Fireflies. So it became known as the the firefly party, wedding mm-hmm. was actually. And um I just loved hearing people go, no, 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 there's another one over there. And they're like, no, they don't have them here, you know. So it's you, you when you try to find things that people can relate to, um, and bring it all together, as you said, I I, I think it elevates the event because mm-hmm. there, there's something special you can take away, like. We all know, having done so many events, you may do a hundred different things at a party. And I really, truly believe if someone walks away remembering three of them, you've actually done a good job, you know, because it's what they're going to tell two friends. And that's the best thing. And uh, it sparks joy, literally in the case of the fireflies. Literally. (laughs) Literally. Okay, but
2: bef- yes. before we get caught up in more fireflies. Yes. We need to, we need to ask you our 10 quick oh, questions. Yes. I know I'm really worried. And have a little fun with you. Okay.
1: 10 quick questions. 10 quick questions.
2: Yay! These are totally fun questions because you know, why not with Andrew Spurgeon, but you only have two minutes on the clock and we're just looking for the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. All right. I'm ready. All right, number one. Are cage-free chickens happier?
0: Yes, but I think pasture chickens are more happier.
2: Okay, but do their eggs taste better? Yes. Okay. What would you rather be called if you were one? A cheesemonger or an enophile?
0: A cheesemonger, because I used to be one
2: you were one I know you were uh, in the old area in London interesting yeah. uh, I just don't know which sounds better enophile or Cheesemonger but I think you well just... I like
0: them both so
2: <laughs> okay Cheesemonger is, is better known uh, can you teach us how to spell Vichyssois V-I-C-H-Y S S
0: Vichyssois V-I-C-H-Y It's close to that.
2: It's S-S-O-I-S-E. E. E. But yes, you you were very close. How about hors d'oeuvre?
0: Hors d'oeuvre? Okay, hors d'oeuvre is always singular. This is what gets me. Because hors d'oeuvre is making a reference to having a plate at work and you do not go to works. So it should not be ever have an S on the end. So it's H-O-R-S-D apostrophe O-E-U-V-R-E.
2: Beautiful. And it's wow. it's singular like Nordstrom. Yeah, and sheep. And sheep, yes. Yeah.
0: I don't think I went on an order of sheep. But...
2: <laughs> All right, well done. And that was definitely a, a something that everybody could take away with them because nobody knows how to spell that. Okay. Who is Boosh and why do we have to amuse him?
0: Because it makes our mouth happy. So we're amusing our mouth. Ah. So Lovely answer. First, when you sit down.
2: That's right. To cleanse the palate. To make our um, happy. Slide it
0: up. Give them a little treat. Kind of perk it up. Direction of the meal, you know? you know. Okay.
2: What is it that leaves sawdust on a butcher's floor?
0: Ah, I can tell you from experience. Mm-hmm. In London, my um, family, part of my family owned a, uh, a famous butcher shop. And as a little kid, when I worked in, they also had a restaurant, it was like a street. But one of my jobs was putting down the sawdust in the morning and sweeping it up in the afternoon, evening. Because that's when, what it did was absorb the blood from the animals, the butcher. That's why there's sawdust in butcher shops. Not, uh, not much you anymore. Put,
2: you put it down then, but then you picked it up. I you, have to pick it up. Oh, great, sounds like you a great up. job. <laughs> and on. you're still with us, Got to, like, see?
0: It's like mucking out a stable.
2: (laughs) That's right. It's like, it's called paying your dues, I guess. That I've
0: done. Trust me.
2: Right? (laughs) Mm. Poor Alex. Poor Alex. She's the one spice in your rack that never gets any use. What is she? Oh.
0: That's a really good question. Oh my gosh.
2: I feel like I'm on Match Game. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, I know, I used, so, I used so many of them. I, um, well, that's a really, really hard question. I would probably have to say dried chives.
2: Okay, dried chives.
0: <laughs> that's not even a
2: spice.
1: <laughs> and, and you know now, Andrew, that's how Anthony is always going to refer to me, as his little dried chives. Oh, <laughs> oh, my
2: goodness. <laughs> totally unintentional. <laughs> Great results. It's not a lot of spice though. Andrew, I'm sorry, but your life is a pizza. What is it topped with?
0: Well, my pizza is topped with one of my absolute favorite ones from the eighties, which is with uh, a little olive oil, garlic, smoked salmon, goat cheese, and then when it comes out of the oven you do a little bit of fresh dill over it. And you can even if you want to notch it up and blow everybody away, you can take some smoked trout roe and pop that on as well. It's I've been making that pizza for whatever <laughs> the 80s was. And it's so good. I mean every time we serve it, oh it has a little it has a little red onion on it too. I forgot that part. So I guess that uh, would be my pizza.
2: Okay. That sounds so good.
0: It's uh, so good. It, and oh and I could make it really mm. I know you can make it. <laughs>
2: Okay, damn. My life is a pizza too now. What is mine topped with?
0: Yours is topped with... Dry chives. With what?
1: Dry chives.
0: Dry chives. Well, of course. (laughs) I think yours is done with, like, um, (laughs) some really interesting wild mushrooms. Oh. Yeah. Some fungi. I do, you know? And perhaps it has... Now, most truffle oil isn't even truffle oil. It's 2 4 dimethylamine or some name like that. They actually use in embalming in fluid. So never buy that. You want to buy real truffle oil that has truffles in it because you could put a little bit of that on there or buy one of those lovely uh, truffle cheeses that various uh, cheese cheesemakers okay. make or cheesemakers make. And it's a very simple combination, a little lemon zest and some parsley. You're off and running. Oh, So lemon zest, delicious. parsley,
2: truffles, real truffles, Wait, not the you, fake truffle. Or,
0: you go, or if you just want to go crazy, there's this Georgian bread that I, I'm, I'm having a blank on the name it, and it's shaped kind of like an oval and you make a kind of a divot in the middle and you have about five or six different types of cheese. We cook it in the pizza oven and then towards the last few minutes, you drop an egg in it, okay? so. That part is insane. But if you really want to go crazy, then you just start making it rain with truffles all over it. And every time I sip that, everybody just freaks out. Mm. Because you do it right at the table. And it's just an embarrassment of truffles. So yeah. So what that I'm hearing. If you want that one there instead.
2: So what I'm hearing is I'm kind of like a showstopper piece. Yeah. Because you do it at the table.
0: Yeah, that's you. I think the second one for you. Okay. I like that. This you is why it's your you show. <laughs> you don't to choose whether they want white troubles or black troubles. Uh, both. It's, a,
2: it's both. Yeah.
0: Maybe you have both, yes, because yeah. it's more, more of a lot.
2: It's inclusive, right. Uh, okay, we know you can cook in the kitchen. Is that the only room you cook in?
0: That's a really good question. I cook outside a lot. I cook a lot over flame, um, fires. Which is a flame. <laughs> it
2: seems fire. different, though. A fire seems bigger than a flame.
0: Yeah, you know, there's right. even burying. You know, burying things under the ground, which I've done, which is a fantastic way of cooking.
1: What? That was a family thing. My family always made lamb under the ground.
0: exactly what? we did, we 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 did lamb and goat, and it's it, actually we had a three day party that we used to always do, and it's when you could just walk over the border. From It was happening in Hokumba, and then there's Hakame that's on the other side. So what we would do is we'd go over and get a goat, and then they'd butcher it for us. And then we'd have the big hole dug with the stones in the bottom, wrap up all the meat, you know, on the opposite, the coals come down, cover it up. And then the next day, we'd dig it up, and all the ladies from Hakame, because you just have to step over a barbed wire to get into the country, just step over, come with these wonderful lovely beans and broth and make tortillas oh so good now they've got a a, a wall there which is sad because it's it's literally broken that community like mm-hmm. severed it and huh hmm.
2: do you do you take a lot of culinary trips
0: unfortunately usually the prime directive for most trips is where are we going to eat so if i'm not familiar with it I'll go down the rabbit hole. Uh, my wife had an opportunity to work professionally in Tokyo for a few weeks. And they said, Do you want to, would you like to bring your husband? And I, you know, Japanese cuisine was one of those things that I just wanted to go and eat at a restaurant and really not know a lot about. So you can just quietly eat it and enjoy it and not like dissect it. So this was there was a great, there was a lot of warning, well, not warning, there was six months before this happened. So I decided I was going to cook nothing but Japanese food for, except for obviously my clients at home for six months. I went to a market and different Japanese markets and bought things. Okay. I had no idea what they were. You know, I mean, you can Google some of this and um, I, I devoted a whole pantry just to Japanese ingredients and I tried extremely unsuccessfully to try to learn Japanese but by the time the six months had happened, I felt really comfortable with it. And now I've been over there four more times. I even opened a restaurant over there with um, my dear friend, Shahomi from Azuki Sushi, ah. which is doing very well. So Did I you love Japan. You, come, you go to Japan and you come back a better person. Yes, you do. that grace thing you're talking about. Mm. So I have a
1: question for you. Anata no name wa
0: nan I have no idea what you're saying. but I
1: just, yeah, I, well, I asked you your name, which um, I know.
0: I, 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 I'm I so bad at it. I can't retain it retain anything. It's it's almost like, I think I've actually given up. I've just given up. It's like, Sumi Mantran, I know that, so I can get someone's attention. And I know how to make an X with your fingers. That means how you want the check. Yes. Oh, you know, and there's like, you know, there, I think it's one of those things when you're yeah. over there and you start. You,
1: you do know, this a lot.
0: You zing, know, you know, yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Absorbed. I lived there for two years. So oh, you did. Oh, my I God. did. I you loved did. Love it, it. And you I lived in Wakayama, which oh. is just south. Um, it's on the main island of Honshu and just in uh, on the Key Peninsula. Oh, wow. And I, I, what you said is very true that you do come back better and it is a country of grace. It, the people are so lovely.
0: It, it's an us society. Mm-hmm. Sadly, we live in a, a me society, which yes. is bugs me so so much because it's it's again I know we just keep coming back to what you had started with but it's so much easier to be nice you know I mean it's something we were talking about when we were trading emails back and forth you know I'm the person that lets the car in in front of me and not speed up Mm -hmm. or you know I see a homeless person or something like that and I'll be getting gas and I'll go in and get a sandwich and something to drink and give it to them or, or or just generally doing nice things for people and I think you you this industry collectively not just the culinary element of it is you have to have a, a truly genuine desire to be a people pleaser mm-hmm. and want to make people happy you know because you've been given a lot of responsibility oftentimes a, a friend of mine um, and so again, years and years ago, I was like, oh, my God, what do I do for a living? I mean, I cook and I design parties for people. I mean, how I'm not securing cancer. And and she immediately came back to me and she was as an attorney. She still is. So it wasn't like she was even in the industry. And she said, you've got it all wrong. You are responsible for some of the most important days in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And that's nothing to take lightly. So it was it was literally like. Um, turning on a light switch for me because ever ever since that I, I you know told you that and even even to your point about getting into this grace thing which could almost be the subject of this entire podcast in some regard is i um i spend every morning meditating and exactly what you're talking about in my mind is meditation it's centering yourself it's you know opening your body up or whatever you decide to do you're breathing or you're you're focused you're you're thinking good thoughts or affirmations or whatever they may be and i think it's a really graceful day to start your day it's like the same thing when you mentioned alex you mentioned the walk Mm -hmm. like the best time to take a walk is when you're really busy and don't have time
2: that's right that's you know That's the best time to practice grace. Yeah. As well.
0: And And you know, be here now. Like we always think about where we're going and what we've done. There's this little gap. And that little gap is where we are, you know. So be here now is a is a good is a good thing.
1: My father used to say something, you know, we had times where things were great financially and where things were a little rough. And during those rough times, he would then take the family out to a really nice restaurant. Mm. And I remember one time I said, Dad, can we really do this? He goes, now's the time we have to do it.
0: Yeah. And sure. I,
1: that stayed with me my whole life.
0: Yes. So, 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 so true. As a little kid for my aunt's restaurant in London, and they were, they were characters. I mean, literally, they're always in aprons. They always smoke cigarettes, so they'd be cooking with a big long ash. They they had beer at the restaurant and wine, but they only liked beer out of out of pints. So they'd send me down to the Marlboro Head, which I wouldn't remember the name of this place. And I was just a little kid. I plonked the pints up there. They knew who they were for, and then I walked down the street and give <laughs> them in the kitchen. And they were all just such characters. I love them to death. Was, that was what really, got me into what I've been doing pretty much ever since, I mean, as a, as a little kid, so.
2: Do you, you think know. there's enough grace in the hospitality industry, Andrew, on a I whole?
0: Think, I, yes and no. I think this is something that happened to me the other day, and and and, and I, which, in hindsight, I, I don't really get Bugged by things, you know, tend to let things just roll off my back because, you know, at the end of the day, they're not important. But this individual shook my hand, but didn't look at me. Mm. And to me, that speaks volumes. I mean, you could pretty much summarize someone's complete character by that, by that one action. So I think when people lose track, and then this is in, in, in response to um, your question about industry. When it becomes about them and not the client, then that's not grace. You know, all you can do is be a shepherd and say, well, if this was my daughter's wedding or if this was, you know, kind of couch it in a way where you're you're forming some bond, this is probably what I would encourage you to do, you know, because then that's a, a more gentle way instead of just saying that's a really bad idea where we shouldn't do that. but I, I think at the end of the day is like why are you in the industry it answers that question mm-hmm. are you in the industry it gets you wake up and you're inspired um, are you motivated to continue to learn you know and go down rabbit holes like we do these events at culinary ta- ta- culinary time travel events? I absolutely love doing them because One is the research element to recreate something from whatever age you want to imagine. You encourage everybody to dress up. And when, when people dress up, it's like Halloween, they're dressed up. So they're not really, really them. So you just gave them permission to misbehave. So that usually makes a good party. Mm -hmm. And then you get three-dimensional decor that you didn't pay for. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) (laughs) so it's great because I don't know. I, I just, I just love the aspect of, of one of the things that you know that we do.
2: I, I can't agree with you more. And I am not somebody who loves to get in costume, but I can, through experience, can see how it really does change the tone of an event when you ask people or give people permission to dress up. And there is another uh, byproduct of that: people talk about the event before it happens more mm-hmm. fervently you know just by way of trying to pick out an outfit and wondering what somebody else might choose you know it starts the conversation about the event much earlier and gets people interested yeah don't you find Great. that to be true
0: I, I couldn't agree with you more I couldn't agree with you more I was just in Fido Guadalupe over the weekend and one of the events we went to was Bacchanal so everybody the, the masks wow. and, black, mm-hmm. and the outfits were insane it was at bruma uh and you know their winery so uh, it was it was absolutely stunning it was such a wonderful wonderful event because you know the food and they didn't miss a trick i mean it was Mm. it was that special so um yeah that's that just happened the other day so i
2: have a i have a question for you i'm not quite sure you're, you're even going to be able to answer it but um the question is this, can you go out to dinner and enjoy dinner or is it very important that you're eating the right thing you've got, you've gone to the right place? And I, I don't say this in an uppity way. I'm not suggesting that at all, but you have a very, uh, your palate is, 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 is What, what do you say about a palate that is so specific, right? You can, you, you're, it's, it's skilled in a way that perhaps mine isn't.
0: It's a little bit like learning a language. I was fed a lot of different things growing up. And that's one thing that worries me. You know, when you learn a language, you, you tend to speak what you learn. So if you're having McDonald's, which just, you know, with fat and salt and sugar, that's the language you learn. That's the way your palate develops. So trying to take that palate and change it when you're now 30 years old or 20 years old. But, you know, I absolutely 100% can sit down and have a, a, a meal, that I'm not just picking apart. You know, I mean, if it's not good, that's different. And I think, you know, especially these days, it's, it's expensive to go out. Yes. You know? And my wife and I really are somewhat creatures of habit. Um, because we tend to go back to the same places and we'll try new ones, but oftentimes, you know, it's and I, I really, really, really don't mean this in a bad way. It's like, are you creating this plate for a depth of flavor and, and lovely seasonings and things like that? Or are you just trying to pick five things that you want to put on that plate so it looks a certain way? I, I really think that even though I, I still still do some of this stuff, but the days of, you know, having a brigade in the kitchen of 40 people, of which most of them are just staging meeting and they're working for free and putting like 25 things on one plate, those are really starting to look dated to me. I mean, they look like when we went through the nouveau cuisine period. I think at some point, everybody looked at it and went, what are we doing? I mean... There's so many lovely things that are just the simplest things on the in the world, you know. And it doesn't matter if it's a, a fancy ingredient or if it's something as simple as a, a really good, you know, uh, roasted chicken or something like that. As long as you're buying, like we we're talking about a happy chicken or maybe a sad chicken, mm-hmm. like a, a really, truly heirloom pastured chicken that is sent out every day to run around in the fields yeah. and eat bugs and things like that not only from a dietary standpoint is that much more healthier for you but i think at least that animal has a, a decent life i mean clearly it's going to end at some point but um so ingredients uh, to me are paramount and uh like like just uh, like an or- here's an hors d'oeuvre this is the simplest hors d'oeuvre ever it's um some beautiful brown bread something like azola um uh, Bakery makes. They do all the sourdough breads, and you make a little canape. Then you get cultured butter. There's this butter. I know I'm giving promotions to local businesses, but they they deserve it because they they're family owned. Like benissimo cheese, for instance. I get all my cheeses there. I love them. Um, at any rate, you um, there's this cheese called Burr de Barat, and this guy Rudolph. I'm going to butcher his last name, like Men- Menuire or, or something similar to that. He literally has a cult following for his butter, right? So you've got a simple canopy, so it's got a little crunch to it. You put on some of that cultured butter, and then you get some California double-A grade sea urchin and put it on top. Mm. It has three things. It's the simplest thing ever. But when you – you have to like sea urchins, clearly. But when you you eat that, it's just boom – but here's an, I'll give you another one. I don't want to steal all the time. but
2: yeah, This is your time, baby.
0: <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I, I know there's a plan. Okay, here's another one. Super simple. So you get a, a, a like a big spoon, like a tablespoon. Right now, it would be going down to specialty and getting some gorgeous peaches or stunning melons. I mean, they have so many heirloom varieties of just gorgeous stone fruits and things that are around right now. So you could pick one. Then after that off you go down to pata negro which is a a little market where they sell you know a lot of spanish food and um there's iberico jamon iberico which i'm sure you've mm-hmm. had there's several different brands of it and it's cripplingly expensive but you're not buying much but the one i love is called cinco Jotes uh, I, jamon iberico because all these these pigs do is run around and eat acorns and things all, all the time. And by law in Spain, they have to have a certain amount of room. And it's a great deal of room to run around. And then, so a few years ago, I was just researching and digging around. And I was like, you know, where does all the rest of that animal go? So I went down a rabbit hole and I eventually found like you can buy Iberico meat here in the States from Spain. I know we get into some of the carbon problems from shipping stuff from all the way over there to here. That's a compensation for another day. But the more research I did on it, I found that because of what their diet is, they're eating you know acorns and all this stuff, they're really high in oleic acid, which is exactly the same thing as in olive oil. So you really couldn't pick a more healthy meat to eat. Mm. So with clients, When you bring up the pork word almost all of them are like oh no no we 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 don't want pork or because that's that's the image they have of that pork but they have so many different cuts because they butcher things differently over there so it's really great having some of the clients that i have just you know they do these lovely wine dinners things like that and the trust level and i think it's another thing about this industry there needs to be a trust relationship between you and your your client because once you've established that then you know you you can literally have freedom to create for them and some instead of somebody kind of micromanaging you which Mm -hmm. never is going to be a better event i mean you're hiring someone to do a job so it's like going to get your hair cut and then saying Oh well, give me the scissors, and then you would start trimming the front of your hair, and you've, you've, you've trimmed it too much, and you keep cutting it, and then you kind of missed a spot, but you end up nipping a part of your ear off, and then you're so you're bleeding. So you you literally have paid money to someone to get really bad bangs, and and and, and a, 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 a ear bleeding <laughs> ear, and then they're paying you for it. It's like you know what? Let people do their jobs, mm-hmm. and that's exactly yeah. how. I work with the, I hate the word vendor. I think it's horrible. It should be banned mm-hmm. from the dictionary. It should be replaced with event partner. Mm-hmm. Because we're all in partnership together. That's right. For the greater good of the end client and their guests. So just saying event partner just changes that dynamic completely. So I'm just on I, a rant, I guess. No, I believe too it, that if, yeah. if
2: you're if you're not a partner, if you, if you, if you're, not, if you're not working in partnership, then you're not serving your clients to the best of your ability.
0: Yeah. Or, or to, to, and it's, it's awkward sometimes when the trust level hasn't been established. Let's say it's a new a client. But, you know, so my, my line for that, you know, again, with grace and being gentle is, will you allow me to be frank and honest with you? aside from some people kidding and saying, oh, oh, no, I want you to lie to me, is they always say yes. So they just gave you permission to be frank and honest. And that way you can gently discourage them from perhaps doing that, because maybe it's more money than they need to spend, or it's not safe, or it's, you know, fill in blank here, right? So, yeah.
2: Those also fit very nicely in with the theme of the day, having grace, because it's a very graceful way to ask Mm -hmm. permission, to be honest, without lambasting them or, you know, shaming, shaming. Shaming. Right. And it takes, it takes that meditation and a bit of self-control to not just blurt it it out. Right. Exactly.
0: Well, it's it's fun. Here's another exercise that I do because I think it's really important to write down things. Like, let's say you're upset about something. You know, it could be applied to a, to an event or anything. Is write an email, like you're writing to that person or that problem. Don't send it and never put it up. Put the address up top.
2: No, never you do send that. Send it
0: by mistake. Right. And it's something they allegedly, I haven't fact-checked myself on this, but it's something allegedly they do with the German army. If I have an altercation with you, we're not allowed to talk about it for 24 hours. So, you know, not that it happens a lot, but I'll, I'll write an email. I'll let it sit. I'll reopen it the next day and ask myself, is this really what I want to say? And do I end up sending it at all? Sometimes it's amended and sent. And other times it's just deleted. But it's really, at least for me, it's it's a really good exercise in just getting that off your mind.
2: Urging yourself of those
0: you Yeah, know, rather than just kind thoughts. of having it simmer. Yes, simmer. We don't like yeah. simmer. Well, we do sit, like simmering some things. Clearly. Something, but not that. Right? No, not that. <laughs> well, Nobody
2: wants, right.
0: And there's one so, thing I, I need to correct, and I must apologize apologize alex it just on the introduction in the beginning i used to be involved with slow food i am no longer involved. oh i apologize
1: for that no no no
0: my fault entirely i literally have not updated my bio except for the king charles thing so i just don't want that to be misconstrued i I was i was very much involved in it and it it probably is a lesson to to update update my bio so yeah anyway, because that was that part
2: that was gonna that was the subject of every single one of my questions moving forward so oh, I now guess what the, are we gonna talk about no, 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 no. i don't
0: know maybe i should simmer something.
2: <laughs> simmer <laughs> simmer on this when yeah. you're designing when you're designing a menu what do you turn to for inspiration
0: that's a really really good question if i can get the information we talked about earlier from someone then it's almost like do you remember i think we're all old enough to remember geranimals the clothes where it doesn't matter what you picked out of the closet it would all go together and you you know dress your kid in it so when you have a list like that you it's like a geranimal list so you're basically taking everything they told you they like and they don't like and all you're doing is joining all the lines together to create something For them that they like and you give it to them and more often than not it's like how how did you know that i said well you gave me the list Mm -hmm. otherwise you know it's it's asking just questions like where are your favorite places to eat or why or "Or restaurants you like or things like that one thing without sounding like you know what is um and I don't know how this works, but I, I, I literally can concentrate and focus on flavors and bring in different flavors into my mouth and say, yes, that's good, but let's 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 get rid of the, the dried chives, you know, and, and keep <laughs> playing around with it. And I probably shouldn't say this on air, but I've designed so many menus that I literally have never cooked until the night of the event and obviously you're prepping ahead of time, but there's just some things that you just know are going to turn out well. And then I always, um, whether the clients wants it or not, I always pair the meal with wine, you know, and, and, you know, probably 50% of the time they may go with it and 50% they don't. And that's, that's, it's their party, It's not mine, but it, you know, it really elevates things, you know, it can, really take something great and make it good or something good and make it excellent. And it, it's just more of a, a, an experience. I think you need to have an experience at a party. I love if I can sneak in some educational components to it. You know, again, I think that it's a, it's a takeaway, like almost like we were talking about with the culinary time travel, you know, like Swaz, everybody thinks it came from France. I mean, it actually was invented in, in uh, New York at the Waldorf, I believe it was. So it's not technically a French soup, but they just called it vichyssoise. I need to double check myself, but I would almost put money on that. Mm. Yeah. So, I
1: have to, oh, go ahead, Anthony.
0: Oh,
2: I'm just curious because I think what I heard you say is that you can imagine the taste of something in your mind and you can pull an ingredient out of that and and almost in it taste in your mind the difference and understand in your mind what's going to work is that
0: yeah correct exactly it. wow yeah exactly wow
2: it's <laughs> just yeah. amazing i
0: know it's weird I, it's- there's a, this other thing that i do which i i think probably is such a niche business I've, I've worked with this company for 20 years and what they do and i know this sounds like horrible name dropping but there 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 really is a point to this story they represent like uh new car releases but they're all like you know like rolls maserati aston Martin, you know all that kind of bugatti i mean all of them i've done stuff for but what they do is you've got to sign a lot of ndas but what they do is they'll send me all the collateral on it so i can read about this new you know, Ferrari or whatever's coming out and then go down the rabbit hole, find out more or, the, or the, even the back history from it. Mm-hmm.
2: More and than you need that, to know, right?
0: What I, yeah, and then what I do is take all their branding and then literally, and this is, this is the madness part, is um, uh, pair food with it. So what you're eating is reaffirming that branding mm-hmm. of uh, you know black badge Rolls Royce or you know whatever it may be, it's so challenging. But I absolutely love it. And then I draw all the I draw everything out, all the plates and label it and do all that. And before COVID, what I would do is I go vet the, the hotel, the caterer, go over everything, share recipes if they need them. I'd share you know all the sketches of all the food, and then fly out and do the event. Um, but the one that I did recently, which was really, really fun. You you know, Louis Trey, the cognac, Mm -hmm. the really expensive one that comes in the Baccarat bottle.
2: We order it (laughs) every day.
0: (laughs) It's insane. I mean, I've only had an opportunity to try it once in my life. um, And it's nothing I could ever afford. But um, they sent me all this information about because every now and then a special cask will come along of a batch of, because essentially it's O2V and some other stuff. And they mix like all this stuff together to come up with this cognac. And uh, they've been reforesting the, the same limousine oak trees for you know hundreds of years or however long they've been around. The casks they're using right now are from around 1917. Okay. So every cellar master who is blending this cognac never will taste it. They'll be dead. They're gone. Mm -hmm. So every now and then this special cost comes along that is just a magical thing, you know? And it hardly ever happens. So I got tasked with coming out with a menu to pair with that and talk about going down a rabbit hole because it takes 10 10 artisans to make a bottle of the the, the Baccarat bottle, made by Baccarat, the actual bottle of cognac Mm -hmm. comes in, all working in unison at the same time. And for this stuff, which is called cost 41, uh, they decided, oh, it would be great to do in black gloss. So that took 20 or 22 gloss artisans to make one bottle, but they all work at the same time because you know you can only keep gloss hot mm. for so long. So all that kind of stuff I learned just from going down the rabbit hole and, and it, you know it's cripplingly expensive and for those who can afford it, well, good for them. But what I appreciate is the craftsmanship Mm -hmm. that goes into things like that and kind of coming back to Japan. This is one of the things that is deeply saddening to me because there are so many things that have been made for hundreds of years over there that, you know, they're getting lost because the kids, they don't Mm -hmm. want to do it. They don't want to bother doing it or put in the work to be able to Mm -hmm. do it. And we're losing it.
2: So yeah. when you go when you go down these these rabbit holes, as you call them, are you looking for seeds? Are you looking for connective tissue to
0: connective tissues? A good, that's a good analogy. I'm looking at, you know, especially with a car thing and things like that. Or or just, you know, with with a with a client, I'm trying to, to find um an ex like like we were talking, an experience someone could come away with. And go. Oh, I I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Because if you tell a story about a play, it has so much more value to it. I mean, I've used this analogy for a million years from the cheese thing. There's a cheese in in, in France called Morbier, which you may have heard of. So back in the day, they'd make you know the big cheeses in the Euro Mountains. You know, like Appenzeller, Comte, uh, Gruyere. You know, all these big cheeses, right? And they milk the cows in the morning, and they milk the cows at night. So you have this leftover milk. So what they would do with these little leftover milks is they'd make, you know, the curds and everything, and then they put them in the little the form. And in those days, they were working over, say, a wood fire. This is obviously a, a, a while ago, clearly. And to sanitize them, they they rub their hands on the on the soot that was on the outside of the pot, and rub it on the top of the curds, you know, the, the pressed curd, so it has this little line down. Have you ever had uh, Humboldt Fog? Have you ever had that cheese? Yes. Line down the middle. Mm-hmm. I'm I don't know this for a fact. And I think that's Mary Keen that makes that cheese. No, not Mary Keen. That's in England. Um. Anyway, whatever. Uh but then they had the um afternoon milk and evening milk, and that would go on the top. So you have a cheese that has a day milk and a night milk. Now a lot of it's more industrial so that they don't do that but they still do the Mm. ash line on it but it's like when you tell the story like that that cheese changed on the plate because you can visualize how it was made and all that went into it and so forth and so on and every every, pretty much anything you put on a plate has a story that's like that and it gives it more worth and um it's great because then, you know, like, say with that Burda Barat, the butter I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So there's so many clients that I do repeat parties for, you know. Mostly those are all, like, they have big wine cellars and things like that. But it beca- it's become such a thing that they don't call it burr de Barat anymore. They just refer to it as the butter. <laughs> and so it's butter, you know. when i got to tell them the story about the butter, right? <laughs> and they go... Well, you will be bringing the butter, right? So yeah, we have a contingent of friends that uh, are always asking me that- uh, For for the butter? If if, if the butter will be there. I'm going to be
1: emailing you and asking you for a list of these local shops because-
0: Happy to provide.
2: Thank you.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: So food- in all of the tools that we have in events is truly the only one that touches all five senses as a chef i'm wondering what is the net result of engaging all of those senses is there an advantage to doing so
0: yeah i think you know yes to answer your question i usually when i'm designing a menu i try to i did something for the symphony recently and again went down a a rabbit hole with that because i was trying to plan a menu because it was a it was a beethoven society so i went down the beethoven rabbit hole and he was in vienna for a long time so i was thinking about that but usually with menus like I'll, I'll, i started listening to a lot of music and i was thinking you know what i this music reminds me of something light summary or you know whatever it was and then you walk them through however many courses it is where and i don't mean this in any kind of sexist way at all it's just a simple way to 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 describe it is you start off with more lighter feminine kind of foods and then work your way more into a you know proverbial man food kind of thing so there's there's actually a transition through the meal. And one thing that I think is um, sadly overlooked is is salads, you know, because so many times you go to salad and you get, what would you get? You know, you get a bowl of like muscular mix with like some stuff in it. Mm -hmm. There's so many things you can put in a salad. Like, you know, there's one that I do with peeled tomatoes. I call it liquid caprese, actually. Mm. Peel the tomatoes. I make tomato water. I have a friend of mine who's a cheesemonger who makes fresh burrata and things like that. Mm. And it's the simplest thing in the world because it just has like Molina olive oil, which is really delicious. The tomato water, you just kind of, you know, burr up or mix up the tomatoes and then you pour it into a a perforated pan but you put cheesecloth down. You can make this at home and just let it drip. In, in in the case of a, a party, a larger party, I mean that takes about three days, but then there's this, and I found this from from you know the Japanese thing. There's a certain kind of vinegar that, vinegar that they serve with octopus, and I found that that vinegar, it's only a back note. You wouldn't know it was there. It's so good with that tomato water, and then just some mold and salt, and then you just put some tiny little leaves of opal and green basil in it. It's literally the simplest thing around but it's so clean and fresh especially like this is something sort of like right now um and then there was another one I did where again I won't give you a a bunch of ingredients but I went to uh Rodolfo Mercurio is his name Amano is the name of his company um but he makes burrata and a bunch of other you know fresh mozzarella and stuff like that and there's all kinds of different sizes and shapes and things that we don't have enough time to go through here. But I was thinking to him, he's like, why does burrata have to be filled with stracciatelli, which is like the cream they use inside the burrata? And -hmm. then they have little pieces of mozzarella. So I asked him, I said, you know, if I make you a corn puree, like super, super pureed, so it's like a cream, and make it the consistency of the stracciatella, could you put that inside burrata for me? And he's like, yes. And I was like, very, very excited because now you've got burrata and you look at it on the plate and there's these things from Spain called cuicos, which they're basically like corn nuts, but they're just delicious. So I just smash them up, put them on top of that, put a little olive oil on top, put the, put the cuicos on top, but to watch people's faces especially when they think something else is going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got these other lovely elements on the salad. Again, I won't get into all of them, but there's pictures on my Instagram if anybody wants to go look at it, and my um, personal ones at Andrew Spurgeon. Uh, but um, just to watch that theater literally on a plate, because you cut into it and here this beautiful corn cream comes out. You know, and I, I literally went to the host, because again, we've been doing parties together for probably, it must be at least 15, 20 years. And, you know, uh, I said, okay, there's one thing that's really important, you know, and I, I know this is probably not the most coo thing. He goes, well, I'm not the most coo thing. <laughs> but try to get everybody to lift their bowl up, because it's a soup plate bowl, a coop, you know, so get their bowl up when they're finished eating the salad and just drink that tomato water with the corn cream Mm. and all these other little different oils and things. And, and, uh, they didn't all do it, but a lot of them did. And it's, it's fun. It's, it's, it's good theater. It's, it's, you know, educational and just thinking sideways, you know? Mm.
2: So, so what are your thoughts on today's dietary restrictions? Uh, Honestly, Yeah, are they stifling? Are they challenging, but not impossible? Easy peasy,
0: what is it? To be continued. Hey everybody, it's producer D'Angelo here. Just to let you know that this conversation was so good, so delectable, so delightful, that the Bellotta Files went way over. And instead of cutting any of this interview, we wanna bring you the whole thing. So tune in again tomorrow for part two of our conversation with Andrew Spurgeon. Here on Bolatified.
2: Hey, thank you for listening to bolotified
1: If you haven't already, please like and subscribe.
2: And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast.
1: Bolatified is a production of Bolata Entertainment.
2: Hey, that's a lot of Bolata. Stay engaging.